Please listen carefully. Are we starting? Are we going to record? <laughs> because I've been recording for seven minutes, and I don't know if there's anything in there that's usable as pre-show jibber. There is nothing. That was complaining about jobs that we certainly can't put in. Mm-hmm. There was a hot mess of directions that didn't really make any sense. Uh, and there was parking thoughts. So none of that was funny. And what a great introduction to us being back. Welcome to everyone and their sister. What's up, sisters? Welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister, your favorite podcast about panic. Uh, My name is Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. And that's right. We are back from our summer hiatus of a month and a half, two months, whatever the hell it was. And we are not alive. This will be a very interesting episode. We're going to talk about our summer musings, different things that we read, uh, different things we watched, however our summers went. Just going to chat about it. Just get reconnected with the fans, with the listeners. You've missed us. Your life has been empty without your Tuesday, everyone and their sister episode. We know it's true, Marina. You can admit it. (laughs) I mean, first, we got to start off with the, the hottest news to hit the podcast. That panic was canceled. Shanice striked again. Truly, Shanice's fault, a crushing blow. I really think it says something about how timely, on trend, and just like (laughs) on the button we are as a podcast, that we said, let's dedicate four hours worth of recordings to a single show that was so good. It had us goddamn ensnared. We met with the author, who was also the head writer of the show. We did an interview. We had a special guest on. We had Ardo on to talk about it. One of our, from our other favorite podcasts put a blurb on it. And then they were like, and it's canceled. And we were like, wow, amazing. Truly devastated about this. I did see our favorite favorite person from this show ray nicholson has been cast in another show yes but will his nips be out that's the question it's a romance he's gonna get down i think someone on twitter said this and it was so crushing and so accurate that was like no one else will ever be as courageous as panic was to have his tits <laughs> out that much i agree <laughs> you know that show was a, a trendsetter although a beacon of courage was it was it the show or was it just ray that'd be you know it'd be really interesting to know if you walked up to the uh, costume designer and said here's the thing my chest gets real hot it's just burning up constantly so i need maybe he has some kind of shirt allergy and he was like, if you can just make sure it's like constantly away from me. And they were like, oh, yeah, no problem. In which case, perhaps it will follow him around for the rest of his career. But, you know, I just I don't know. I feel like a 50-50 split either way, how it goes mm-hmm. on that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all going to be looking out for his nips, that's for sure. So it was an interesting summer, to say the least. It was filled with uh, crying, lots of tears, Lots of moments where I was happy that we were on a break because I slept in more weekends than I had for a year. (laughs) So many weekends where I woke up and I went, oh my God, I have nothing to do today because we do not have to record and no one has to edit. (laughs) What a dream. What a dream, truly. Can someone else make this podcast for us? I would love that. Let's just... Someone buy us. (laughs) Let's lay down (laughs) $90,000 get somebody to do it for us. Between the three of us, we're boss bitches. We can make it work. Someone hire us. We're hard workers. We'll get it done. We always meet a, always meet a deadline. And She says, while we sit here saying, this 
two hours of work it takes a week, one hour from each of us, and then one additional hour every third week. And we're like, guys, this is too much work. I am genuinely surprised Natasha is still on the podcast. (laughs) There was a point I was like, she's going to quit. She's only not quitting because it's too, like, her social anxiety, for lack of a better word, is too strong to actually quit. So, and that's the only reason she hasn't yet. And now she's laughing because I'm fucking right. (laughs) She looked me in the eye one day and I was like, ooh, this is the face of someone who does not want to do this anymore. (laughs) I don't know why she's still here then. (laughs) She can leave at any time. We have many (laughs) rotating co-hosts that we can bring in. As we've said. Not to to, like be nice to anybody here but i like you guys a little bit too much <laughs> wow <gasps> oh uh, my god so you're uh, saying you want to spend time with us on these microphones unfortunately <laughs> so does that mean that when i tell people the only reason we make the show is because it's an excuse for us to hang out every week i'm not lying yeah <laughs> I, I tell people that regularly especially when i'm trying to be like i'm at work and i don't like to not say that we have a podcast because i want to be the one person in the podcast who's constantly promoting us but at the same time i don't necessarily want anyone i know from work to listen because we have an episode called shadow and boners um and we had an entire episode about our favorite sex scenes from a show and i'm like maybe no one who works with me should ever actually listen to the show um, so I always just tell people like, oh, honestly, it's actually just an excuse for us to have a reason to hang out because I would never admit this to them. But we have a lot of fun. We go, oh, we're only going to record for 30 minutes and then we record for two hours. Yes, this reminds me of totally unrelated, but kind of related. <laughs> when I was working with somebody at a different job, um, she gave me her Instagram handle and I was like, I, we don't know each other like this, but your Instagram handle is wild. <laughs> yeah, but like I saw their Instagram handle. I was like, wow, this is so inappropriate for any work environment. And you know what? I respect that. I respect it. You know what? You know, you know yourself. Yeah. Have that. Have that Instagram. Ha- I'll tell it. I'll tell you guys it later. I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to put them on blast here. <laughs> and we shouldn't. But sometimes it's true. Sometimes we need to get over our own shit about how embarrassing something is and just tell the people that you work with that you have a goddamn podcast so you can get more listeners no i refuse i was also told the other day that i had a very soothing voice over video and i laughed i laughed i was like have you heard the podcast because not when i'm not working i don't love a cackle all right i guess you know for all of us saying that we're recording for 20 minutes and only seven minutes of that is usable maybe less who knows uh, so let's get into it. So we decided for this episode, like I said, we're just going to talk about general summer musings. Instead of picking our best of summer, there was honestly a lot of content we got through this summer and quite a lot of it that we got through all together. And so I'd like to bring us back just a little bit to the beginning of summer. And I don't want to spend too much time here because I feel like the show has been done to death, but I think we can talk a little bit about Loki. And when I say we should talk a little bit about Loki, I literally just want to say one line and I want to say it's insulting that a show that had two characters who are technically the same person, who are technically bisexual, still feel like the straightest couple I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And that's all I really have to say about that. I keep seeing people online, even still to this day, the discourse about how, like, you know, they're bisexual. So it doesn't matter, you know, just because it was two people of different genders being in a relationship doesn't suddenly make it straight. You're still bisexual. It's still a queer relationship. And I'd like to tell you, in this instance, in this particular moment, no, it's not. 
because I am bisexual and that was not a queer relationship. That was the straightest relationship I've ever seen in my goddamn life. It's true. It's true. And, you know, there's almost hope at some points where you're like, all right, they're going to go real queer with this one. They're going to go so queer. And then you're like, no, they fucked that up. Yeah. Like, like, think about like her with like that, that one, like C24, whatever, whatever that guard's name was. I was like, here it comes. Here it comes. We're going to see it. It's going to be great. It's going to be hot. Let's do this. And then no, nothing. Literally, literally, you took a character that is supposed to be defined as gender fluid. And you took uh, one character who, in her mind, was on a date with a woman. And somehow this show still felt so hetero. It was astonishing. Anyway, that's just my Loki discourse. I was very upset that. That was a date with a woman? I thought that was, yeah. like, two friends hanging out. See? Missed it completely. See? Also, Oh, in my head, it was a date, for yeah, sure. Yeah, to me, it was a date, too. I was oh, like, oh, no. your friend, your special friend. <laughs> yeah. I would just like to say, the fact that you didn't have one Loki with makeup on that looked like a pirate or, like, an earring or, like, something cool, nothing. Obsessed he with wears, pirates. Obsessed he wears, with pirates. He wears his pants well, as we all know. And he wears a shirt well. And he wears a gun holster. But, like, give, really me, give me a wild outfit. That's the least you could have okay. done. On the on the opposite scale, I just want to add here, like, this is, like, something that's supposed to be queer that felt straight. I just want to talk, like, a brief, brief second to appreciate something that was definitely straight, but felt very queer. And do you know what I'm talking about? I absolutely do, because I was with you while we were like, wait, they're together, right? Wait, what? Uh, misfits. No! <gasps> Oh, what are you talking about? I mean, Misfits, yes, obviously, but Green Knight. Oh. Uh... See, that one, I feel like Green Knight felt like there was a little bit of queer intention there. Right. A little bit. And it's not not just not just the thing with the random noble dude. I think the director <laughs> himself infused it in every scene. Like the way he loved he loved Dev Patel in that movie. And I was like, you know, I appreciate this queer gaze. I think that's a great way to talk about The Green Knight because several people have asked me when I told them like, oh, I'm going to go see The Green Knight. And they were like, oh, did you like it? And I had to be like, ah, I don't know what to tell you. Would I recommend watching this movie? Yes. Did I understand what happened? No. Why did I like it? Because the whole time, the camera focused on Dev Patel the way I focus on Dev Patel. It lovingly followed him, looking just very confused through the woods. And I was like, wow, what a good movie. But was it a good movie? I can't but tell also, you. But also, a great allegory for being queer. Just looking being confused in the woods? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you think about yeah, like, everything about this felt queer, even when it wasn't. And you're like, wow. Yes. When the woman that's jerking you off and you come in your hand turns out to possibly not even really exist. Very queer, obviously. Figment of your imagination. Yeah. The wildest desires is that maybe you'd actually be attracted to a woman. When the old woman appears in the doorway watching that, also very queer. Judging. <laughs> very queer with a different definition. Yes. <laughs> Just everything about it. But I think that takes us back to then misfits, because what we're going to do here is we're going to cover the gamut from what's supposed to be gay, felt straight, was we don't know, felt gay, and then was definitely supposed to be straight and felt super fucking gay. And that was misfits. We did. I watch this, ma'am. Ma'am, you were at Nat's birthday when we watched this. (laughs) 
bitch. I fell asleep. Sat here. I don't <laughs> we so Misfits is this like Pierce Brosnan vehicle that, quite frankly, you don't need to watch. But we had a really fun time with. I, I think I overall enjoyed the experience of watching that movie. Very action based. This is the movie I'm going to assume no one knows what the fuck we're talking about. But there is a scene where the two women characters are talking about, like, they're sharing a hotel room. Coming back to me. A hotel room together. And they're talking about fighting. And if I'm going to be honest with you, what I think was probably the straight man intention behind it was, oh, people get really mad when movies don't pass the Bechdel test. So we're going to shoehorn in this scene that is unnecessary to make it past the Bechdel test. But what ended up happening is they created a scene with so much homoerotic subtext. Every second of that scene, I was like, oh my God, they're going to fuck. This movie is going to be so much better than I thought it was because it's going to end with them together and not Pierce Brosnan hitting on this fucking like 25-year-old girl who is not interested in him because she said, I don't date men because Which, they're worthless. Uh, yeah, when she said, I don't date men, I kill them. I was like, oh, lesbian. <laughs> like, excellent, beautiful. Excellent. The, honestly, the point of view everyone should have. Truly. And so I, the whole time we were like, oh my God, are they going to, are they going to like, we thought that maybe the one that's like an experienced fighter was going to teach the other one how to fight and they'd like roll around a little bit and then it'd be like. Like a porno? Thing. <laughs> well, you know, it'd be that thing that you see in every kind of like tension action movie yep. where they're like fighting, they roll around on the ground and they stop and they're breathing very hard and one of them is pinning the other one down to be like, haha, I won. But then slowly the breathing slops a little bit and they realize the position that they're in and butts are touching and it's like a whole thing. I thought we were going to be in a situation like that. And then we just didn't. And it was very surprising. I think they accidentally made the most homoerotic scene and didn't know what to do with it. They were just like, yeah, this is fine. Put it in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was just like, yeah, this is for sure. They're going to fuck. And then when they didn't, I was like, so is that like, did they fuck and they just don't want to tell us? Like, is that what's happening? I genuinely remember us screaming, screaming. Oh, my God surely they're gonna kiss and then when they didn't us being like so are they gonna come back to the storyline later or <laughs> like it was the biggest concern at the end of- i don't even remember the rest of the movie <laughs> i fell asleep <laughs> i remember a lot of like weird things like that weird car chasing through the desert and for the whole time we're all thought like the people in the back with the masks on were the wrong people and i'm like why well, did they have masks yeah. on the whole time <laughs> Truly, they were like, oh, we couldn't get Pierce Brosnan for the scene. Like, he's too old now. It would kill him to be jostled around that much. Also, let's talk about that Thai actor's dance moves as he's drilling. Also, very homoerotic. (laughs) That man needs to be in way more stuff. I know this movie was, like, not great, but I really want this to be that actor's foray into being in more movies because he was splendid every single time he was on the screen. Even with his, like, two-word, three-word lines? Absolutely. He was. Although, and I counted near the end of it, I think we wrapped out at around 17 lines for the Atonal movie. Okay, okay. Which is certainly not great, but I don't think it necessarily goes into, like, silencing of the shrew territory. Yeah. But certainly it was close, because around the beginning, the two Asian characters were definitely giving off a very, like, stoic, quiet vibe. And it was only as we got closer to the end that we realized one was a raging lesbian unacknowledged (laughs) and the other one was this adorable little dance baby Mm -hmm. what's next on this list uh i think next on our summer musing list of things we all watched there's a part of me that wants to talk about the chair but i feel like we should actually save that for a future episode because we have so many opinions on it 
I don't know that I have a lot. <laughs> oh, I have many. I have many in that this. Okay, so let's go with the chair. We all watched it. Did you ever finish watching? It, I Steph? did finish. Perfection. Mm-hmm. But it's Steph's. My lackluster response <laughs> tells you my opinion. Yeah. yeah. It was, I think, for a TV show, let's keep in mind, it's Steph ideal timeline. Not only it was is. it only six episodes, mm-hmm. they were 20 minute episodes. Yep. So we were done. It was basically a movie. Um, so done very quickly. I, the reason I would love to talk about the chair a little bit is because it was one of those things where I believe that they probably meant to make this movie or the show with a white woman lead character. And then they thought, oh, you know who would be great for this? Sandra Oh. And then so they put in a little bit about Korean heritage. They added the Korean grandpa. They added a couple of scenes. But I don't think they functionally changed the story enough to acknowledge that this was a Korean woman. And I think because of that, there's a lot of white womanness in Sandra Oh. It's interesting because they went to her to play this role. Like, I watched her, like, this is my, you know, those, is it Variety? The the career YouTube videos. And from what I understood, she was saying that they came to her with this plot and being like, we want you to play this. I mean, like, yeah, like, I would say it felt very Sandra O oh in that, like, the humor was there, like, everything felt made for her i think they went with like the wrong but here's the thing here here's where i have like a weird opinion of it this is spoilers obviously but like obviously when they're talking the chair they're like oh they're revolving through all these people in the chair position but when they end up with that white woman as much as i love joan in the end on that position i'm like in the end you're just like there's like a dissatisfaction where you're like why why did it end up this way and also like how like and also like all like the white dudes in the room like it's just like there was just something about it that like there was so much that annoyed me and i'm like in the end it almost felt like these students that were like people of color protesting ended up causing her to lose her job and i hated that it really I think it really felt like old people doesn't feel right because they are in their like 40s to 50s but it really felt like it was coming from the mentality of like we're gonna write a show that's for you know middle age and older about you know where they are right now in life and what it really Mm -hmm. ended up doing was being very insulting to the students who were making good points it was like it had the illusion of being woke for lack of a better term. And I feel like it understood a couple of things, but it was too wrapped up in its own idea of like the negatives of cancel culture. And it's almost ironic because I don't think it was intentioned, intentional at all, that at the end of the day, the only people that actually got hurt by this were the people of color. That white man is going to get his job back. He's going to find a job somewhere else. The fact that I there's a very poignant scene in this um, where there are two Asian women sitting in a room. It's Sandra Oh and it's the white guy's TA. And they are talking about what to do next. And Sandra Oh is somewhat. This is where I also. Uh, This is where I teared up. Mm -hmm. I also think, though, it wasn't written from someone who actually understands anything, because that scene would have been much better if Sandra Oh had said, I forgot that I am now in a position where me saying that to you 
is not a flippant remark I'm allowed to make. Like she needed to acknowledge the power that she has over students in her new role. Yeah. And that that was something that she had to be careful for. And I think what would have been amazing is that would have showed the difference between Sandra Oh and the white man even more because it's her acknowledging that the position that she's in, she's not allowed to make flippant remarks. She has too much influence and she definitely has too much influence over a person of color, even if she also is a person of color. That means her words are going to hit differently. They're going to hit harder. And I think having her acknowledge that in that moment would have been great. But she did still apologize and say that was not I never should have like that was not my intention, basically. And then they just have the T.A. kind of hand wave it and be like, I know that's not what you meant. And I'm sorry that the like reporter took it out of context. But there's this moment where they talk about it and Sandra O oh is kind of giving this TA a lifeboat to say, you need to unchain yourself from this white man now. He's toxic. Mm-hmm. And the girl goes, but do you have one? And it's just this moment of like, you two are the ones being hurt the most. This man is treating this like it's a joke. But yeah. you two are sitting in here actually being affected. One person's career is at risk and the other one's whole future is on the line. But here's and- here's what, this is where this scene gets undermined though. At the end, this white man does all the commentary with the, with all his fucking publisher connections and he's yeah. her savior at the end. And I was like, fuck you. Get out of this fucking show. I hated this man from the very moment he entered the show. And I was because like, I don't care. I don't care how good he is as a fucking nanny. Get this man out of their lives. He's ruining everything for everyone. The moment he enters in a show, before he even shows his ass and takes a leak on someone else's car, you can tell that he's living a life where his daughter, who lost their mother, like, that's what they really forget. Like, oh, it's only been a year since he lost his wife. It's also been a year since this woman lost her mother, and then she was forced to take care of her father like he's a giant fucking baby. No wonder mm-hmm. she went to school so far away. I would want to get away from him, too. So I had no sympathy for him the entire time. Yeah. Because this whole show at every single moment it showed how he used the women in his life and i think the most yeah. insulting thing is that this was written by a woman and i don't think she realized to the degree that that man was toxic and it almost says something about like the expectation she has for the own men in her life as a writer that this was her version of a slightly fucked up but acceptable hero yeah. for lack of a better word main character because I was like, in the end, I was like, okay, if this man is completely, like, loses his job, fucks off, is out of everybody's life, good. The show did good. I don't care if the show is a fucking comedy slash com- comedy drama or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know. But I was like, at the end, I was like, so you're telling me, uh, once again, true to life, nothing happens to a white man. Yeah. And this is, the crazy part is... Yeah, like, they got, like, some of the nuances of things like his apology, the worst apology ever, which I have argued about constantly. I'm I'm like, never bring somebody else's feelings into an apology. You never do that. Never do it. And he did it, and people reacted to it, and I was like, excellent. This person got that nuance. But then they went back and were like, oh, never mind. We love this man. And I'm like, why? Why? What this show didn't realize, what this show didn't understand is that the the kids that were protesting were correct. And that's what it forgot. Just because they tried to show like, oh, someone took a TikTok of him and added a little Hitler uh, thing. So it was all blown out of proportion. No, he still said this thing. He still made a joke that you can only make a joke about because you're not affected by it. It wasn't your business to say anything. And then it just, 
It's well, such a shame because it had so much potential because the acting is excellent. I'm insulted that we would believe that Sandra O oh is digmatized by this man. This mediocre yes. man. He's also she an alcoholic so or like a dick. And she's like, yeah, you can watch my kid. Like, yeah. for sure, we know that Sandra, Sandra O, oh, what's her name in the show? Doesn't matter. Sandra O. Oh. Sandra O. Oh. <laughs> we know that she knows that he's a piece of shit. And then oh. I'm thinking to myself, did is it insinuated that they were hooking up while he was married? I think it's insinuated that they had feelings for each other, yeah. but never actually did anything. So he's a piece of shit on top of a piece of shit. And then, and this will be my final note about the chair before we can go on to some other summer stuff we went through. But my final note is, again, where the show was almost ironic and how it didn't realize some of the points it was trying to make mm-hmm. and didn't realize some of the things it showed for it. Yasmin was one of the best characters. She was incredibly interesting. I loved everything about her. You gave me, even in a very, very short show, you gave me so much of things like David Duchovny and the headmaster and the white man and yasmin is in maybe like what 10 minutes of the entire show she doesn't deserve to be a supporting role she should have been a lead give me way more about her give me way more about her and i also this makes me unfortunate where like i was really mad at sandra oh for this scene and i don't know what the right way to feel about it is and this is maybe why i sometimes feel like sandra oh's character felt very much like it was written from a white person's perspective was the moment that Yasmin is like, I'm not, I I got the job offer from Yale. They offered me a fuck ton more money and it's a lot more visibility. And Sandra O oh goes like, no, but like I've been doing all of this to try to keep you here. I think we can create something great here. I'm sorry. The only reaction you should have had is that's great. I'm so happy for you. Because the fact is you're going to be shit on in both situations, either here or there. Go get the money. We've all been Go through the there. Money. Yeah. But here's my question. Yasmin is still there at the end. Does she leave? I think she kept... I think she decided to stay. I think that's, that's what that scene is supposed fucked. to tell you. That's no, doesn't she have to up. finish the semester and then she'd be like next uh, year? Okay, maybe. That's I'm, my I'm, guess. Okay, to be fair, I'm wondering, that could be it as well. Yeah, like I'm wondering if there's going to be a second season and obviously somebody else is going to get the chair position. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be Holland Taylor. I think that's her name. Well, she, I could see them. I could see them showing a season with her getting the... The chair position. So why also, didn't Sandra O delete the delete those <laughs> fucking retire those white men? Like that to me, I was like, that, what are you doing? Her, her, her attachment, them. her attachment to the guy that first of all probably has Alzheimer's or something, and it's just like, why? You're actively hurting these children's education because what are they learning from a man that falls asleep and pisses uncontrollably? Hasn't read pop culture in they, two a million decades. What are they learning from a man that? It teaches exclusively about Melville and no one else and doesn't even do it in a way that people can actually connect with the material. I understand wanting to keep Joan because you feel like Joan got fucked over a lot and her classes are actually really interesting. I understand that one. But the other two? Fuck off. You should have just gotten them to retire. They were... Even if the reason they wanted to retire them was because of how much they were getting paid, the fact is people didn't attend their class for a reason. They looked like really shitty teachers. Yeah. Like, easily the three people she should have fired, those two older men and the white dude we all hate. Yeah. Yeah. Then a solution solved. Then you can bring on David Duchovny to teach the rest of the class. Who cares? Honestly, I'd make a great chair. (laughs) Heartless. I go in, I'm like, yeah, done. Peace out. It's time for you to retire, sir. Show me your syllabus. Now base it off that. As much as we all hate the fucking Dean, however, like the Dean was the fucking worst, though. The worst of the worst. 
I just like it was too close to English flashbacks that I was uncomfortable and like that t- hurt it. It hurt it. It hurt it a lot. And I think I think that's as much as we can do about the chair yeah, without yeah. doing an entire episode about it. I love that we were like, oh no, I don't have enough for a whole episode. We absolutely could have done a forty-five minute episode on the chair. Um, but I think where we need to take it to is, you know, we all went to a little cottage this summer. We had our regular everyone and their sister break where we just hung out and relaxed and we basically did episodes without recording them. Um, and we all discovered that we read uh, the same book. Uh, and then we decided to talk about the entire series and go through that. And so, guys, let's talk about Katie Robert. Let's talk about Wicked Villains. Let's talk about... Desperate okay. Measures. This is where I start because you know what? I've told these two fools to read this probably for when did they come out? 2018, 2019? I'm, I'm fact checking myself. That's not true because anytime people are like, oh, I want to read something, I put that out. I say it into you the have universe. Told me, you have told me to read. Many You're not listening to me. That I have not read. You have there told you me go. That I have not read, but whenever you tell me to read something, I add it to my Goodreads or now my story graph. So don't you dare imply that you've told me to read anything from this series before, because if you had, it would have already been on there. Well, then I don't know where it went. I put it in. I put it in. I'm reading on our Slack group multiple times. And this came out in 2019. If you don't know what what who Katie Roberts is, she she is the mastermind behind the erotic retelling of uh, Disney relationship with disney characters yes so the first book desperate measures follows jafar and jasmine as they themselves fall in love what kind of i can't even remember the like kink associated with this couple what is it there's a lot there's uh, like non-consent fantasy mm. yep, yep, yep. Yeah. there's a lot of yep. bondage there's uh, a lot of ds like i'm your master i tell you what to do kind um of also like just to give a little little peek so Steph was reading Neon Gods on this trip by Katie Robert. And I was like, you know, I'll try Desperate Measures. It sounds fun. Uh, Jasmine Jafar, let's do it. Middle of the night, by the way. It's like 2 a.m. I haven't fallen asleep yet. I'm like, let me start the first chapter. First chapter. Three, two pages in? I don't know. Immediate fucking. Immediate. Immediate. Not even running away from him, too, I think. (laughs) Yeah, and not even like, not even like, yeah, like not regular fucking. It was like clearly dubious consent. And I was like, holy shit, Steph, what did you tell me to read? That book attacks you the way uh, Jafar attacks Jasmine. Truly. That book really said, because I, so my story of how I ended up with Desperate Measures, because this is one of the few books. Steph has not told me to read. You have certainly told me to read the fucking Minotaur milking book. So I'm certainly That's next, guys. To read That's something. next. <laughs> um, was I was on TikTok one day and someone was like, let me tell you about Desperate Measures because definitely Katie Robert right now is a little TikTok darling. Her erotica books are all over there. Um, and she was like, I can't do it without TikTok uh, canceling my account or whatever. So let me try to tell it with, and she pulls out a bunch of Disney figurines from Aladdin. So she's got all the main characters there. And then she goes, okay, so they're in the main hall of the palace. And then she just pushes away all of the other figurines, except for Jasmine and Jafar. And then she goes, and then what happens is, and I can't tell you anymore without TikTok banning me. And I was so intrigued by this way of selling this that I was like, what happens that you can't, say what happened like even a little bit like what is in the scene so i picked up the book because it was like i got it from the library it was available i was like let me check out what this girl's talking about and i figured it would take a while before i got to the scene that she was talking about i did not realize the book 
opened with the scene that was so much you definitely can't talk about it on tiktok yeah and i will say i clearly went through a period of katie robert just constant like i read it much much like that first scene i was without my consent i felt like i was (laughs) roped in into the series i didn't finish the series by the way i didn't finish the last book that's the only one i never finished I, like, I think you hit a point and you're like, you, I can't, you do, just can't do it anymore. Just I just it anymore. like it was at some point like I was just like, it's all the same. And yeah. then like there was only one that I very much enjoyed. And I will say it was the Hercules, um, Meg and Hades one, which was called what was that one called? Learn My Lesson. Learn My mm-hmm. Lesson. Yeah, that's the yeah. one that like I don't understand how that's. So all the titles have like a relation to Disney thing, too. And they all have phrases that they use that are from Disney specifically from disney yeah so like jafar is desperate measures from aladdin yeah. like is yeah like line in aladdin yeah he's oh. like De- jafar says sometimes you need to do whatever desperate measures Aye. his his line uh here's your reward is also from the movie there's like a bunch of lines that they use the hercules one i'm not quite sure where learn my lesson is from maybe it's from the song but anyway, yeah, they all have like phrases and stuff that are related directly it's, to the it's movie. It's from, uh, it's from. I'm pretty sure that that line is in Meg's song. In uh, oh. I won't say I'm in love. Okay, I okay. think it might be somewhere in there. But basically, yeah. So basically, these are like pulled lines, and I, I was like, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> she knows that we like. They all like. They're kind of in our memory in some sort of way. They're lodged in. So it's a good flow. It's a good flow. But anyway, I fucking loved that book because I was like, all right, I'm into this. The rest, you know, there's a lot of... At some point, Tink gets filled by in every hole possible. (laughs) You said that a lot. You, the moment... You were with us when you were reading that part and you really was like... Like, you stopped reading to be like, oh, she's stuffed. (laughs) Because you're Uh, imagining a tiny little woman with like petite a petite (laughs) petite woman petite but also plus-sized woman who's like there's like what three men and one one woman yeah because maleficent was called malone are there yeah malone and yeah like let's be clear she's trying to get under the radar of uh copyright laws from disney oh yeah but it is who it is it's gaston it's the beast and it's it's maleficent guys i don't know what to say also i no, i do know what to say so you have hades in that second book but guess what neon gods also has hades in it (laughs) A totally but a totally, different totally, different totally different Hades. Different Hades. But also, <laughs> totally it's interesting because the world is like a fantasy, urban fantasy yeah. kind of situation. So, like, I am intrigued by this world. Do the couples always fulfill their promise to me? No. It's like the weird gang wars thing is what's so it's cool. Why is that in every series? Like, why does Neon Gods feel exactly the same as the Wicked Villain series? That universe feels exactly the same. Carver, and it she is. uses the same name. She uses Carver City. She uses Sabine Valley. I think it's the same universe, but they're different cities. So I guess but that's then, a common thing. I don't know that. I don't know that it's no, the same universe. Yeah, Sabine Valley is the same city, though. Yeah, it's, it's the just, same. It's her. It's like the the Kate. What's her name? Katie Robert Universe, and then they're all living in different <laughs> cities. So does that mean though that the Zeus in the Neon God? So then, because she says she Hades? references it. I don't know if she took this out of the arc, but she's just like, yeah, Hercules 
no what's his name zeus zeus's son left the the neon god city and went to the disney villain series so that means that aria ariel is also from that world then and then okay but she has another book series called like abel is the name of the first book but that's called the sabine valley series and there the way their universe works is still also kind of like gangs of people almost but it feels very different i don't even want to say different it feels the same but slightly different than the other one she's like she's like i'm never gonna change the setting i will always change like the the character story arcs i except even okay so I did not get through all of the Wicked Villain series. I didn't read them in order because who gives a shit? I read them as they came up at the library because I refused to buy these. Um, They're on KWL. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out. I got the, yeah. Shout out for KWL and being available in the library because that's how I'm getting all my indie book fixes. I I made that happen for you. There are still some indie I made that happen for you because Overdrive blocked them and I told her how to fix it. (laughs) You did. You did do that. So, I did do that. so uh, you're reading those because of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're, I'll, I'll let you have that one. It's true. Um, but it was one of those things where, again, it's like, so you read the first one. And I think the way that Nat Perfect is excellent. It's perfect. Without my consent, I was roped into the series because I didn't even really like that first one so much. But there's something about the audacity of it that was very intriguing that even when I wasn't into what she was writing... I couldn't stop. So I'm just I like intrigued. Like, through. what's happening on? Like, what what are these pairings looking like? Like, uh. yeah. Just like I did the Sea Witch. I did. Um, I did a bunch of them. Honestly, I can't even remember all of them at this point. Unfortunately, if you go to my story graph, my number one author is Katie Robert because there's just not a lot of authors I read a lot of their books in a single year of. And but these also, ones are like they're also so quick. Like, they're yeah. so yeah. short, but, because, like, half of it is fucking. Like, it truly is. When you think, <laughs> so you think much. you're you think you're think reading, like, a regular romance where you're like, oh, there's gonna be some fucking in the middle, some fucking sort of close to the end, and some fucking at the end, obviously. No! Yeah. This is every other every chapter. chapter. There was literally a book, which I don't remember which one it was, there was fucking in every single chapter. Every single one. Yeah. I couldn't so get on. away from it. It was too much. It was like, I think that's why I hated it so much. I think it was like the, the Beauty and the Beast one. And I was like, I, it just I need this became, to stop. <laughs> it just became too much. And I think reading them all in a row because they were all available just highlighted that like, respect for Katie Robert. Girl is getting her bank. She is getting her money off these readers. I hope she's living a good life. They're the exact same book. It's the exact same book over and over and over again. The princess is always trapped in some kind of deal with this villain who's supposed to be a villain, but actually does literally not one villainous thing throughout the entire book and proves that they are in fact not a villain at all. So it was like, what's the point? At least have them murder somebody like, please. Um, Not a villain. They fall in love immediately. That's why they're in love before they even bone. And then it's like they bone and it's like, if I didn't have you in my life, I would absolutely die. I would become nothing. Like they get so attached. The one that gets me, the sea witch. (laughs) Ariel is promised to Ursula and Eric for seven days after she like sells her virginity on like an auction that Hades runs. It's seven days. It's only one week. This is the same night that she met Ursula. 
Okay, we're not even going to talk about Eric. So the same night that she met Ursula, that same night she finds out that both Ursula and Eric actually lied to her and low-key tricked her into this whole situation. The next day, she's already totally fine with it. And literally three days, she doesn't even make it to the end of the week. Three days, her sisters come to save her, quote unquote, from the situation that she's in. And she realizes that if she doesn't go with them to talk her father out of it, he's going to rage war and he's going to try to kill Ursula. And she goes, I'm so in love with them. I can't let this happen. So she doesn't even make it the seven days before she's so in love that the idea of them not being on this earth anymore is a broken promise to her. So like, I actually kind of disagree with that statement. I think that book is the exception. I think the rest of them, they've all known each other for years. So like Jafar and Jasmine have known each other for years uh beast gaetan and uh bell all dated each other for years and knew each other for years the tink and hook have known each other for years and in fact when she was a child kind of knew each other as well but i think i think the problem is that they get together so quickly like and it's a romance but 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 it's like there's no conflict so it's like there's no conflict there's like years of like stuff that's but i'm not reading that i'm not seeing that you're telling me that they've been together or like they know stuff so like that's why i never finished any of these series i read like one book in it and i'm like i don't care enough because you're not giving me the like hook to continue all these situations though you're talking about jasmine and jafar where again jasmine was a child for a good time that jafar knew her while he was a grown man and the whole time that they knew each other it was a contentious relationship Mm -hmm. where they were always both trying to pull her father in different directions and again at one point she's a literal child then they he kills her father he killed her father even if she did hate him because she also felt he was abusive because that's the only way you can do anything in a wicked villains book no one's actually a villain oh you killed an abuser that's not enough (laughs) kills her father they are fucking that same day the blood of her father still on his hands they're already fucking and the next day she would die for him she would die for him tink and hook yeah they knew each other but like that whole time that they knew each other again tink is a child she's in an abusive relationship with peter pan she then is a sex worker at hades thing where P- where hook specifically never actually like pays for her or something like i, I forget what he like never hires her out for the evening it's not implied they have a very close relationship it's they have a relationship of like we both went through something weird and now we don't really talk at all but it's so imperative to hook that he save her that he fix her and then they and they're immediately they're in love it's they don't date no one in this series dates they go from we kind of know each other but don't talk but hate each other but also love each other yeah like the only i'm madly in love with you the exception to like the non-dating thing would it be like the bell one because she did date the other two however we don't get to see the dating part and hercules yeah hercules also he meets meg and it's like instant love yeah i mean we don't get to see that part we just get to see the fucking which i guess is what everybody wants in the end because it's an erotic i mean i get Mm the book but you get what you want it's just one thing like you just read them and the plot is the same in every single one the third act it's not even a breakup in any of them it's not like a third act breakup it's the third act oh miscommunication leading to i think my life is in danger so i have to do something about it kind of third act thing and it's it's just and then the worst was i picked up neon gods because i had put it on my hold list when i started this whole business and then by the time it caught there i was like i'm so sick of these books yeah. 
The Worst Wise Neon Gods is a different series entirely. It's the exact same book. Persephone and Hades meet immediately. They immediately fall in love. Even though Persephone has no reason to trust this man, she decides that she does. He's infatuated by her because she somehow managed to cross the river Styx when no one should be able to do that without them being in like immense pain. But she had the wherewithal to somehow make it happen. And literally... And I shit you not, it's that third day mark. Three days after she gets there, she fucking is on a phone call, like a Zoom call. She's on a Zoom call where Zeus and her mother are both on the call and she sits in Hades' lap and is like, you can't take me away from here. I am losing my mind. I read so many of these books. Um, That was also sold to, or like said it was a grumpy sunshine. And that's not true. It's 100%. She loses her sunshine shtick immediately. And I'm like, you can't, you're selling me the wrong thing. All this to say, the contemporary one of hers you should all be reading is gifting me to his best friend. I was, (laughs) I was just about to ask, when is, I was, I I would genuinely say it's better than all of these combined. (laughs) (laughs) But that's right. Okay. Should I, I feel like this might be a two-parter. Tell us, tell us about, tell us about the Minotaur. Exactly. Okay, so like once, so this is the complete opposite, but it's in the same in the same genre. Which, when you think about it, is wild. Morning Glory Milking Farm is the title by by uh, C M Nes Nescosta Nescosta. Guys, I think I should I just read my review. This is my review. I don't know I, anymore. I saw your review and I liked it because it was short and to the point. I don't know anymore, okay? Was it a wild ride? Yes. Was it a great romance? Yes. Will you be shocked? Probably. Am I looking forward to book two? Yes. It's it's monster erotica, I guess is what you would classify. No, I guess. It is. It is. A minotaur um, is an animal. So a human. So this in this world, humans and animals are they, they live together they're in the same universe they have jobs it's what they they intermix so this human gets a job she's like she has a lot of student loans she gets a job at a milking farm where you milk bulls and when i say milk you know what i'm talking about uh milk bulls and then you put it in a little <laughs> tube and they so the the bulls get money for their uh i don't know why for their, yeah, for for their milk that they pr- produce. So she just gives hand jobs all day. Essentially, that's what it is. But one day she meets a guy, <laughs> a bull, and they fall in love. And like, I'm telling you this. I'm telling <laughs> a bull man. I don't know. What are they called? It's a minotaur. Oh, a minotaur. <laughs> it's in the fucking name. He has hooves <laughs> also. Have you seen what a minotaur looks like? Uh, you, you know, looked it up on Google. Yeah, I did because you know why? Because at the end of the book, she provides a photo. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> he has hoofs. Anyways, all this to say, you, you would think this would be insane, but it works so well. It's like a, it's legit, it's legitimately a cozy romance. What the? <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, a cozy romance because it's like there's no none of this stupid conflict that you're talking about that all romans have no third act breakup it's her just like learning how to have a relationship with someone who's not her species and it's not bad guys you know what i find really funny so i've been seeing a lot about this book on twitter and on tiktok as well um unsurprisingly it got its hooks in i think because it showed up on faded mates 
um, we know Steph's favorite podcast. I saw no, I saw it on Twitter first. I saw it on Twitter first, and I was like, okay, fine. But wasn't it from the host of Faded Mates that posted initially? No, it was some random person. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm I'm on Um, romance Twitter. Yeah, it's true. It's true. She's not on our Twitter. Um, So this keeps coming up, and I think it's really funny. You're like, oh, it's a cozy romance because somebody else on TikTok that was trying to like sell this book was like, it's actually a really interesting look at class discrepancy and like sex work and the way as like a species that we look at things because like it's interesting that like the main character this is this is all her words this is all how she described it i have not read this book she's like the main character doesn't consider herself a sex worker she considers herself a nurse because she's more like collecting samples and that's sort of the thing of it but then in the minotaur society the minotaurs like even the guy that she's with is talking about how like they're expected to sell their body and like they're in such a Mm. poor position in society that the only way they can make any money or enough money to live is that they have to join this thing so they're almost like trapped in this cycle and i'm like what the fuck is this book (laughs) but i should say the milk that they're collecting is used in like viagra for humans i believe it but also question is it Mm -hmm. seen as taboo to have interspecies no no i would imagine it's it's not common universe no (laughs) it's not common but but like so there's cities where more like beasts i don't beasts animals whatever you want to call them live and like humans come by but like sometimes they stick together Sorry, humans come by like they're like I just came. So she works. So she works. I came here for casual bestiality. She she lives in a human city, but she works in the beast city. So she like she meets a friend that I think is a vampire. Um, what the next book is a Mothman is a Mothman. <laughs> oh my what god! What does that mean? I I don't know what it means, but that's what I. And is like, this all like modern? Is this futuristic? What is this? No, it's like us in in the world. Like it's it 21st almost, century. Well, it's kind of fantasy, so it's like urban fantasy, right? Yeah, yeah. But I it's not that's like what dystopia. You would this, yes, or anything. It also feels like am I going to read, read this? Really? Yeah, you are. No, don't, ma'am. We can hold out. We can hold out. I but just think int- it's interesting what people are taking away from this erotica book. I think there's oh, yeah. there. I also think it's very interesting that you can say Minotaur so that you can call it monster fucking because that sounds worse than bestiality. But he's a bull. Like it's kind of like, interchangeable. Did, did at that either point. of you did either of you read Ariadne yet? I did. No. Okay, so yeah, the Minotaur. It's fucking bestiality, a hundred percent. He is an animal. Oh, oh, oh. I, I like. I was gonna say something, but I'm just gonna leave that for you. But to also, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite thing was on Twitter. I saw <laughs> this is also like post Katie Robert, post this like milking the Minotaur, whatever situation. Morning Glory um, Milking Farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, <laughs> milking the Minotaur to me. <laughs> um, but like, somebody was like. Is it? Am I being crazy? Like, this is somebody that was not used to romance Twitter and clearly got inserted somehow. And they were like, I'm seeing a lot about, like, Greek stuff, Greek romance. Like, what is this? What's happening? And it's like, you see people coming in with, like, the milking book. And then you see other people from the Katie Roberts side coming yeah. in. And you're like, yeah. So much 
Hades. So Katie Robert, we follow her on Twitter now, obviously, because of everything we just talked about. Um, and I keep seeing her. I didn't realize she writes she writes fan fictions of her own book in a certain way. It's almost like they're like offshoots where people can vote to be like their free short Bonus story. Epilogues. Is like what are well, no not really because you can pick two people from the universe at all and she'll write like a little romance for them. Wow. And so the most popular one is the two versions of Hades because people are very predictable. <laughs> So she had, so like, I just kept seeing Twitter streams. She's like, here's the short story today for like Hades v hate, like Hades slash Hades. And I was like, what is happening? Her Patreon what is popping. What is going on? Her Patreon is popping. You know what? No, Good for her. Respect. No, honestly, I respect her a hundred thousand percent. She knows exactly what we want. And she gives this to us so often, so often. Yeah. You know what, Katie Robert? You're never going to listen to this, but good for you. Love you. Good, good job. It's one of those things where truly, like, even as I found myself no longer interested in the book, did I have a fun time? Up, up for debate. Sometimes I wasn't anymore. And I was like, why am I still reading this? But overall, we got this conversation. Again, she's making her money. You know what? There's something to say for just, like, writing things that you want to write and things that people clearly want to read. And that's what mm-hmm. she's doing. And it's working. And She's, like, like minimum two books a year. Like, yeah. I'm going to read minimum two books from you. Um, All right. What's next? I, we are nearing the end of our time, but I feel like I'd like to talk about something I actually really liked. <laughs> this didn't to- turn out to be summer best so much it was summer things we had a problem with. I liked Morning Glory always- Milking Farm. Uh, we, the Green Knight was point. excellent. You did really like that. That's fair. We could also just do our next episode have be like things we wrote over somewhere that we really liked. But I was planning to talk about uh, the refrigerator monologues because I just finished that and it was really, really, really good. I mean, we could do part two. Anything else that we all saw? Because I've been in a very reading heavy mood. So I've Mm. been reading like crazy. And me and Nat have read some of the same books recently. But I don't think Steph has picked up some of those. I haven't read anything because I've been watching. I finally, finally read Dial A for Our Aunties. Mm. Excellent book. Excellent book. It was a good book. I only gave it a solid four. That's a high rating. I think I gave it a 4.25 or a 4.5, something like that. I I had some issues with it. I will say. I I will say I love me a romp. I love me a romp. A just totally absurdist situation. And we're just going to have a really funny time while we go through it. And that's often how I felt that. That book just takes so many twists and turns that you do not expect. You really get to the end and you're like, what else could possibly happen? We read a book for our uh, book club that we do with other people. If you want to be a part of our book club, you can pay for a Ko-Fi. No. (laughs) Wouldn't that be amazing if we did a little Eats Cast book club you had to be a part of and nobody would pay for it? Because I'd have Um, to read on time. I couldn't do that. (laughs) We forced the rest of of externs to pay for it. (laughs) Suddenly, if you want to be in the bitches who read book club, you got to start giving five bucks a month. (laughs) <laughs> just let, pay for the squad cast coverage you know what i'm saying go store um, snacks <laughs> uh we read the wisteria society of lady scoundrels highly recommend you pick it up it's a very again absurdist fantasy they um, did not sell this book well at all because i had no idea it was like fantasy until i read not even yeah. i think i read the description didn't even click into that i would say like if you don't know like without giving anything away think like i said this to you guys before but like the weird moving buildings from monty python and the meaning of life meets pirates it kind of gives me stardust meets pirates of the caribbean 
Yeah, like a little bit. Meets minus, Bridgerton. Minus real ships. Yeah, but that's, it doesn't even, they're chips to them, okay? That's the, that's the stardust part. Yeah, I, I love that one. Again, I highly recommend Refrigerator Monologues. It's a series, it's a very, 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 very quick read or audiobook. The audiobook is actually really good. And it's a series of tales from the point of view of the women in comics who are fridged. So like there's a variation of Harley Quinn, there's a variation of Gwen Stacy, um, a variation of um, like Aquaman's mom or Aquaman's wife, Aquaman's wife. Um, I can't remember her name. And it was honestly so well done. I was like, I loved that. I loved that to the point where when I finished it, I almost wanted to immediately listen to it again because it was so good. My suggestions <laughs> for my best books of the summer um the first one would be the taking of jake livingston i thought that was a really good one it's like queer horror but like done really fucking well in my opinion um like it actually was very eerie and like i had a hard time wearing headphones while i was listening because i kept hearing things around the house and i was like is it in the book or is it in here <laughs> like what is it um yeah i found that one terrifying and i absolutely adored that book and it had like a, it had solid beginning solid ending for sure the other one that i highly suggest is from a local author uh, it's called Blood Like Magic, and it I would describe it as, like, witches, urban fantasy, but also futuristic, and it takes place in Toronto, so you can actually see, like, different Toronto locations in the book as well, which, like, I freaking love this book a lot, too. It's good. It's good. And, you know, I love witches. It's a long one, though, I will say. I would say I'd love to do, I was going to say, I also did the entire Poppy War series this summer. And I would love if Nat would finish them. But I also know Steph will never read the second and third one, just based on what she rated the first one. <laughs> and that makes me sad, because I'd really love to do an episode on the entire series, because that is one of those books where I walked away from it and I was filled to bursting with thoughts. But I also was like, deeply satisfied and unsatisfied. It I, The way I describe this book is it's it feels so realistic to the way that people would act. It's enraging because it's so correct and people can be so exhausting in very specific ways. And the Poppy War really highlighted the way that like the trauma you carry around from your childhood can make you make real shitty fucking decisions as an adult and really line up with beliefs that don't make sense. I was like, and wait, is this pointed at me? <laughs> no, I was talking entirely about the oh, Poppy okay. War. I'm not even looking at you. Good. It was just one of those things where it was like the whole time I was like, I was written. I don't need this kind of decision making. I already have not in my life. So it's been a summer of I'm going to lie. It's been a summer of good, good. I don't think except for maybe one or two books. I don't think I gave anything less than like a 3.5 this summer. It was it was fun. Unlike staff, we rate things fairly here. I read things fairly according I, to my opinions. I would say, listen, I, as much as I joke that like a three is a Steph five because a five for her would be absolutely perfect and nothing is perfect. Um, I think I sometimes rate things a little too high because I rate things immediately after I read them. Mm. And sometimes I have to sit with my feelings a little bit to realize, you know that. what? That wasn't a 4.5. That was There was one book in particular. I remember I read it this summer and then I read another book. And I liked it significantly less. And I went to go right and I was like, wait, but they're both 3.5 then. So I had to go in and lower the rating of the previous book 0.25 and increase what I was going to rate the current book another 0.25 to create the disparity that I felt in my heart. I just like I can't base it on the other books, unfortunately, because like I feel like some will never compare. 
to some others and there's no there's not a wide enough like rate like it should have a different rating system per book is my opinion i i actually do agree with that i think where i where we both differ then from steph's is that we rate romance on a very easier curve there are romances <laughs> that I give a four that are nowhere near as good 100%, as like general yeah. fiction books that are a four. That's why I but give them a, a three. Romance, it's excellent. It's like yeah. exactly what I wanted in that romance. I mean, a three is I liked it. That is my yeah. gauge. 3.5 is like, will I read the next one? Debatable. 3.75, I will read the next one, but it didn't. I wouldn't say everyone needs to read it. And four is people need to read it. That That's my rating scale. Okay, okay. I Like, I'm, yeah, like, everybody obviously entitled to their own, like, reviewing thing. Mine is literally if I enjoyed it or not. And if I think somebody deserves that full five. And I will give people full fives because I feel that they deserve it, even if the book isn't perfect. Listen, Poppy War, all three of those books, not perfect. I have significant issues with many of them, but those are five star books. Those are, mm-hmm. the, Steph's three is an insult to me. For what? The Poppy you Wars? Three, you gave three to a Poppy War, and I was like, that's a disgusting number. But also, I read that how many years ago? I don't know. I'm different now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm different now. But we also know in this particular area, you and I like very different books because you don't like N.K. Jemison, and that will never I only that's read just one naked. I've only read one N.K. Jamison. I'm trying to see how many. I feel like this year I gave the most fours I think I've ever given in a long time. Wow. Maybe we're maybe we're rubbing off on her. Wrap it up. All right. So that was our summer musings. Very casual episode. Very just sort of getting back into the swing of things. We have a lot of really interesting themes coming up for you guys soon that I'm really excited to get to. And a couple of reviews for things that we're hoping that will be very good. Uh, If you have any thoughts about stuff you'd like us to talk about, or if you have any thoughts about any of the things that we brought up today, if you're anything like Steph, I'm sure you have a significant thought process on milking the Minotaur. Uh, Morning Glory Milking Farm, to be correct. AKA Milking milking the Minotaur. (laughs) Uh, that's it. That was its working title. Um, make sure that you tweet us, tweet at us, or you can check out our Instagram at eatscast. Uh, we also have a Pinterest at everyone and their sister pod, and you can always email us directly your thoughts at everyone and their sister at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back next week with another Tuesday, 8 a.m. Nope. 3 a.m. episode, because that's when this podcast comes out now. Um, and that's everything from us. Bye. I'm going to say why do men? Because no woman is putting her hands in her pants in that moment. I'm going to say cis men. Why do you have to masturbate everywhere? We're going to a movie theater tonight. Are we going to be sitting on jizzy seats? Do I have to bring a towel with me to lay down first?